heads around it. Even Peter in that passage ran to the tomb and he wondered at what was going on. So let's do some wondering today. Overall, we're going to ask two questions. Um, What do you believe about Jesus and what would you do about it? But today specifically, I want to ask you, what do you believe happened on that Sunday, that first Easter Sunday, give or take 1,989 years ago? Um, Temi, can I get the the PowerPoint up, please? Kind of help me at this point. I'm going to ask you to be quiet then and think for a moment. What do you believe happened that Easter Sunday morning? What do you yourself believe? Quiet and think about it. And then I want you to talk to your neighbours. And if you are, as it were, have a minority view amongst your neighbours, that's okay. Make sure your voice is heard. Right, so talk to your neighbours about what you believe and then why you believe that. What you believe happened that Easter Sunday and then why. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do that. What you believe and why. We'll go back to the video next. Okay. Okay. I see some of you have tuned out already of that discussion uh, and are now talking about how beautiful the flowers are. So let's just um, pause those conversations. Okay, I'm going to ask for some feedback in a couple of minutes, um, but I'm told that I jumped the gun in terms of what we were planning to do this morning. So are we just going to stop and watch a video, um, which is uh, another way of helping us to think about what happened that Easter Sunday morning. Um, So let's watch three men... Not three men and a donkey, is it? Whatever it's called. Three friends. Here it comes. A girl called Miriam was rushing to Jerusalem. Someone special was in trouble. Thud! She crashed into a young boy carrying a big bag of bread. Ouch, my head! Hey, my bread! Cried the boy, who was called Simeon. Are you okay? Why are you carrying so much bread? It's not just any bread. It's crusty, fresh, yummy bread. And it's for someone special. I bet he's not as special as my friend. Yeah, well, my friend is the Miracle Man. Wait, that's who I'm talking about too. I'll never forget the day I met him, said Simeon. Loads of people in my village went to listen to him, tell stories about God. We stayed so long, our bellies grumbled, and I was the only one who had brought any lunch. 
two fresh fish and five crusty, warm, yummy loaves of bread. Mmm. I was just about to eat it when a friend of his asked for them. The Miracle Man prayed, handed out my lunch, and somehow fed 5,000 families. Now everyone calls me Fish Sarni Sim, and we all call him the crowd-feeding, storytelling Miracle Man. Well, I was sick, really sick, said Miriam. My dad rushed out to find the Miracle Man, but by the time he'd arrived, I was already... gone. Where... you died? asked Sim. Yes, but then he brought me back to life. He's the life-giving Miracle Man. Getting close to Jerusalem, they felt something crunchy under their feet. Who's left all these palm leaves on the ground? asked Miriam. And whose court is this? added Sim. They were put there to welcome the special one, said a boy called Tim, tears in his eyes. The Miracle Man rode into town on a donkey, and crowds came to welcome him. Some laid down coats or palm leaves, some bowed, some danced, and some sang. No way! We've come to find the Miracle Man! interrupted Sim. I saw him making people better. People who couldn't see, could see. People who couldn't walk, suddenly started running, jumping, and skipping. I couldn't help but thank God for the donkey-riding, people-healing Miracle Man. So why are you so sad? asked Miriam. Because some people didn't like him. They took him and nailed him on a cross. They pointed and laughed even though he was hurt. Quick, we have to rescue him, cried Miriam. It's too late. He's gone, said Tim. They all slumped to the ground and just sobbed. The miracle man they had travelled all this way to help was gone forever. Wait, said Miriam. I'm alive again thanks to him. What if God could make him alive again too? Follow me, said Tim. I know where his tomb is. Reaching the tomb, they saw that it was empty. He was gone and they couldn't find his body anywhere. He did it! He's alive again too, shouted Miriam. But, but how can we be sure? asked Tim. Wait, the Miracle Man had some special friends who were fishermen, right? If anyone would know what had happened to Jesus, it would be them! So the three friends journeyed a really long way to the seaside. When they arrived, they saw grown-ups having a barbecue. Mmm, smells delicious, said Sim. Look at all the fish they've got! Just then, a grown-up joined their conversation. Do you know why the Miracle Man died? Because some people thought he was bad? guessed Tim. He died to forgive all the bad things and all the sad things that were ever done or said. But he can't forgive all the mean people, said Tim. Actually, he died so anyone could be forgiven, no matter how bad the bad things were and how sad the sad things were. But why? asked Tim. Doesn't seem fair to me. Because he loves you. That's why. My friend Miriam thinks he's alive again. Is he? He's not just alive again, said the grown-up. He's alive again forever. He's the death-beating, life-giving and fully forgiving Miracle Man. And he's right here, said Miriam, as the three friends finally realised who the grown-up was. And then they jumped into the arms of Jesus. The storytelling, crowd-feeding, life-giving, people-healing, death-beating and fully forgiving Miracle Man. Right. 
So you've all had a chance to think. You've all had a chance to think about what you believe and why about that first Easter day. So my question is, what do you believe? And then we'll talk about why. Anybody willing to talk to me? Um, Can we just use this? Is that right, David? Oh, yeah. Who's willing to talk to me then? What do you believe about that first Easter day? Sam. We worship God. I ask him what happened on that first Easter day. He rose again. Okay, he rose again. So Jesus rose again from the dead. He was dead and now he's alive. Just like we got in that Bible passage. Um, That's the kind of basic heart of Christian faith. But the question is, why do we believe it? So what are the reasons for you that you might believe that? There's somebody down the back here who's willing to talk to me. Hello. I believe it because the Bible tells me so, and I know that Jesus is alive because I feel him within me. Ah, two answers there. Thank you very much. We've got the evidence of of the Bible, if we take the Bible as a a good text, um, and then we've got that evidence of Jesus... By, his, by the power of God's spirit lives in us. Any other strands of evidence that might be appropriate to talk about here, given we're in an all-age service? Ray. When I was in hospital with all my burns, people were praying that I uh, would still be alive, because if it wasn't for people praying, I would have been dead. Um, and I really rejoice in that, because... Whenever anybody's like that, like Steve Harris is in an hospital and people are praying for him, I really hope for him to um, be alive because uh, people are praying and uh, that's quite powerful. Okay, thanks Ray. So for Ray, there's that sense of a lived experience that God intervened in his life and brought healing to his body. Um, And that, I think, is really important. Uh, I was thinking as a child, I first believed it because my mum and dad told me so it was I learnt it from my mum and dad and my church okay but you've grown into your own faith so what now would you say as to why you believe why okay there's a question it's it's quite a hard question isn't it because I choose to you choose to believe it okay Sue I believe because over 30 years ago when my house burnt down myself and Debbie walked through flames holding hands with Jesus there you go so you escaped a burning house and, and you understand that to be with the, in the power and the strength of Jesus the fireman couldn't get in and yet you could get out is that what you're saying? sorry I didn't say that again um, the fireman couldn't get in and I didn't discover till four months later that four firemen were saved that night Wow. There you go. So I would say the same for me, that I partly one of the reasons I believe what I believe is because I see the evidence of God at work in this world today and in the lives of individuals. Um, I've talked before about God healing people and, um, and that very clear sense that actually... It's, it's possible to believe not just because there's evidence out there, but there's evidence that I have seen and experienced for myself. 
But equally, there's evidence out there. Um, thank you. Jesus is alive right now was one of the phrases we talked about. We, we are in the midst of thinking about the creed, the Nicene Creed, uh, and this is the, one of the statements we're looking at, that Jesus, on the third day, so Friday's the first day, Sunday's the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. Um, and um, for the first disciples, I think we can recognise that they believe partly because they had been with Jesus, partly because they saw the healings, because they saw, uh, they heard the teaching, because they asked about the meanings of the parables, uh, and then actually he appeared to them. We have it that um, Jesus appeared to over 500 believers, uh, followers of his, uh, in the time after he was raised from the dead. And so for them, experience meant that f- belief wasn't something that was, as it were, a blind faith. It was something that was very much an experience for them. So it's not just, I think, the testimony of those first believers for us, that is, testimonies of those believers passed down the generations. I want to challenge you and say, what is your lived experience too? What, what events in your own life would you point to that says, actually, this is something of God intervening in my life? Um, even uh, just to go back to the bit about in accordance with the scriptures this is from Acts chapter 2 where Peter stands up at the crowd on Pentecost Sunday uh, Pentecost Day and the giving of the Holy Spirit uh, pouring out the Holy Spirit to everybody and Peter quotes from Psalm 16 in his speech uh, uh, and says uh, and, and quotes Psalm 16, which is, is, is one of the kind of key texts from the Old Testament that says that actually this was going to happen all the time. So it comes in here, uh, you'll not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you'll not let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the paths of life. There's that sense of, um, see, decay is about death and then the decay of the body, but actually then the body is, comes back, is resurrected. So... In a moment, we're going to look at uh, and say together a creed, a statement of faith, which is a summary from this passage. Uh, This is from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. uh, And um, many would argue that verses 3 and 4 are pretty much were a a statement of faith that was formed within a couple of years of the death of Jesus. Um, partly because of the language that's in use in the Greek and so on. But anyway, um, Paul says, he passed, he, I received, what I received I passed on to you, which is that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve, then to the more than 500 of the brethren at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, that is, died, then he appeared to James, the apostles, and then he appeared to me, and this is what you believed. That's Paul reminding the church at Corinth that actually that's part of the, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is that belief that Jesus died and was raised on the third day. And he died so that we, our sins, our, our rebellion against God might be forgiven. So we're going to say um, that creed together. It's um, not like that. It's going to be a slightly shorter form that's going to come up on the screen. Uh, and then I'll be back in a few. Q. We bless you for all you've done for us. Amen. Do you have a seat, friends?
So, just before we said this creed, we had this passage up from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, it says there that Jesus appeared to all sorts of people, including 500 or so, more than 500 of the brethren, of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Can you imagine that? It's like you're in here. Twice the size, though, and more. And suddenly Jesus pitches up. Just, just for a moment, imagine what that's like. What would you say to him? How would you react? Does it still happen today, though? Not in quite the same way. The fish-eating, resurrected Jesus appearing in locked rooms in a very physical way, we don't see that happening today, do we? So what happened? Why not? What, what, what bit of history am I about to refer us to? The ascension, thank you very much. The ascension comes some 40 days after, in, in, in church calendar terms at least, 40 days after, after Easter Day, when we remember that Jesus ascended to heaven, ascension, went back into heaven, um, and that started a 10-day prayer meeting, um, and at the end of that we have Pentecost, when God, by his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit is poured out on all the believers. So we don't see Jesus today in the same way, because he's seated, because uh, he's ascended in Ascended, gone up. Where did he go to then? Heaven. Thank you. Yes, that'll do. Um, so, what's he doing in heaven? Praying for us, says somebody. Anybody else? Is he? Is he praying? Is he? What sort of? What sort of body language is that? Is it interceding? Sitting on a throne. Sitting on a throne, but praying for us. Waiting for him in heaven. Who's waiting for him in heaven? What do you mean by that? God's waiting for us. Jesus is waiting for us. God's waiting for us. Yeah, yeah, because you're still on earth, aren't you? You're not in heaven yet. This is how the, the creed carries on. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're told that Jesus is interceding for us. We get that from uh, Hebrews chapter 7. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. This is New Testament Bible stuff. Therefore, he's able to save completely, alternative version of that completely word is forever, those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them, to pray for the blessing of God, the Father, on them, the followers of Jesus. So Jesus is interceding, is praying for you. How's that feel, I wonder? You don't need to answer that out loud, it's okay. So I asked two questions back at the start, but we'll come to those in a minute. Just want to remind us of that. That's our big headline, isn't it? I asked two questions. What do you believe about Jesus, and what will you do about it? 
And sometimes we make belief really quite complicated, don't we? But let's just remind ourselves of this bit of Bible. Romans chapter 10, Paul's writing to the church at Rome and says this, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that is Jesus is the Saviour, the Messiah, the one who came to save us, and I want him to be Lord as in the most important person in my life. I think that's what that means by that. If you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him, that is Jesus, from the dead, you'll be saved. It's that simple. But it's also that profound. If you believe, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's with your mouth that you tell others around you that you are a follower of Jesus. So there's asked to be a question for us in terms of how we live our lives. Are we people who profess outside of church with our mouths, our faith? But the question was, what do you believe about Jesus and what will you do about it? Because actually if we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, there's huge consequences for us, isn't there? Saw this this morning. Easter means if you, believe to, if you belong to Jesus Christ, then your long-term worst-case scenario is resurrection and, etern- and everlasting life. It reminds me slightly of the um, Dr. Pepper's adverts. You know, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is I'll spend eternity with God in heaven. Hallelujah! But sometimes it feels more like this, doesn't it? Trying to push a weed through some concrete or tarmac. Sometimes it feels just hard work. Because I think so often we fix our eyes not on Jesus, but on the concerns, the issues of life around us. So often we need to recognise again that Jesus is Lord, not just with our mouths, but with our whole lives. Because we actually have the presence of God by his spirit in us, the power of God at work in us and through us into the world. And faith makes things possible. But maybe sometimes this is a picture uh, or depicting um, just you can just about see the hand of a woman touching the hem of the garment of Jesus and that's Jesus' foot this is a reminder of let me put that over this end it's a bit lighter over there isn't it that's a hand there touching the robe of Jesus and that's the foot of Jesus that's his knee going up there so Jesus' head up there somewhere um, it's a depiction of that woman who in the midst of the crowd reached out because she believed that if she were to touch the hem of even the hem of his garment she would be healed she didn't want to make a fuss she didn't want to be noticed but she still wanted healing so maybe we need to just reach out in faith 
But equally, maybe we need to develop habits of praise. Psalm 95 has it, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We're called to have the name of Jesus in, our, in, in song, in, in joyful worship as well. But equally, maybe we need to hear the reassurance of Scripture a bit more. Maybe we need to hear the challenge of other Christians around us, particularly those that have gone before us. I find this a really challenging quote from William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. The chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, that is the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, that means changing the way that we live, politics without God, and heaven without hell. Maybe we need to hear more the challenge of other Christians around us. Maybe we need to start with training our brains. With perhaps the renewing of our minds. Paul in Romans, uh, to to the church at Rome, said this, you know, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How, what do we fill our minds with? Because actually, yes, good mental health is really important. You can't really see that, but that's 10 ways to look after your brain. Talk about your feelings, keep active, eat well, drink sensibly, keep in touch with others, ask for help, take a break, do something you're good at, accept who you are, and care for others. That last one, care for others, we could think of as actually how we treat people is how we show love not how they treat us. Maybe we need to think about how we use our money both as a society and as individuals. Another quote I got from somewhere else. The test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much, but whether we provide enough for those who have too little. And as Christians, how much do we cry out against the injustices that we see even in this world, in this country? The way austerity economics means that for another year, benefits are frozen. That universal credit means that each person gets less and has to live for over a month without any income, having had weekly income or or fortnightly income. Do we, as a society, make right provision for those who have too little? And what about your own spending habits? Every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want. Are we supporting by our spending unfair economics? Because actually all of this follows from our core belief that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, then you're saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that is you'll be saved. And actually then we're called to profess our faith, to live out our faith. Because actually we need to remember again that Jesus is indeed alive right now. That's why we can say, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Oh, go on, let's say that again. 
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So let's live it out this day and many days to come, the rest of our lives. Amen. Peter. Thank you, Martin.